Welcome to The Crystal Pain Show, where we help you embrace your life right where you are and give you practical steps to get where you want to go. Whether you are in your car, folding laundry, cooking, cleaning, or maybe even just enjoying a cup of coffee and a few minutes of quiet, we're so glad you're joining us today. Here's your host, wife, mom of six kids, foster mom, entrepreneur, and author, Crystal Payne. Welcome to another episode of The Crystal Payne Show. I have an author in studio today that I read her book, and I have to say, probably resonated with this book more so than any book that I have read in a very long time. And as this interview plays out, you will probably understand more why. But I am just really thrilled to get personally to talk to her and ask her a lot of questions that I had as I was reading her book. But I think so many of you who are listening are going to really be just encouraged and inspired and blessed if you're feeling in a space right now where you feel stuck, where you feel like life is hard, life is overwhelming. You want to find joy, but it just feels like all where you look, there's just difficulty and struggle and limitations and you are struggling to bloom right where God has planted you and be where your feet are because that grass over there, it looks so much greener. It looks so much softer. It looks so much easier. And life where you are just feels really dark and hard. So Sarah Haggerty, The Gift of Limitations is her new book. And the subtitle is Finding Beauty in Your Boundaries. And you have a story of really walking this out. I love how you wrote this book living this. This wasn't like real time. 10 years ago, <laughs> this happened to me. This was as you were writing this book. Tell us a little bit about yourself and your journey. Well, I had my first experience with my limitations was in my 20s mm-hmm. and all my friends were having babies mm-hmm. and we just assumed, well, goodness, this is a rite of passage. You get married, you plan your family, you have kids. And that rite of passage for so many was a do not enter sign for us. Mm-hmm. And so I just early got acquainted with my body is not doing what it's supposed to do. My body is limiting me from the life that I thought I wanted, from the life that I'm dreaming of. And that was many years. I mean, we had almost 13 years of infertility. In that time, we adopted uh, twice over, two times, two children. So our family grew really fast. Mm. And then it was like this whirlwind of our family grew fast, Uh, four children in two years. And then after a few years after that, I had several miraculous pregnancies. And so here then I was on the other side of the table. I'm living my dream. I wanted to be a mom. I I wanted to walk out this full life of a house full of kids and sometimes honestly pulling my hair out going, there is no way I'm going to make it through today. There's just so many demands and needs in my home. So here I was living what I desired and going, and I'm grossly limited, not gro- gross in actually like the definition of that term, so many limitations around mm. me. How am I going to make it? Mm. You said something about your body feeling really limited by your body, like your body not doing what it was, quote, supposed to do. Mm. I think there are a lot of people who can relate to that who are maybe struggling with ongoing health issues, chronic illnesses, mm-hmm. who... They're feeling like, this is not how it was supposed to be. Right. This was not in my plan. Why, God? Like, why is my body limiting me, my ability to serve others, to serve my family, to have children? Speak to the woman who is feeling that right now and 
Just what Mm. helped you as you were processing through that? I think there can be a real frustration with my body is not cooperating with my dreams. And it can get messy as believers because we really want to pray for God to heal us. We want to pray for God to help us overcome this. And then there is this reality for, I think, a lot of people who struggle with chronic illness after how many years of praying for healing, like at some point you have to say, yeah, he may still, but how do I survive this moment? And that can be excruciating. And personally, you know, after I turned to my manuscript and the book was done, I was diagnosed with Lyme disease. Mm. So ironically enough, here I am having written this book about limitations and then entering into a new season of limitations. So I can actually really identify with the person who's going, ah, my body is not cooperating. And I I think this book is really the invitation into God actually wants to meet you here. Mm -hmm. That there isn't, I think there's something you can do uh, with chronic illness where you can go, everything else gets put on hold until I get through this. And then when this is over, I'm going to live. I'm going to live the real life. And, And so we fixate our mind over the fence line on what's on the other side of the fence line. And there is an invitation from God to live right in the middle of your chronic illness and find him. And it's, it's really hard. I can say that, but living it tomorrow when I go home is really challenging. But I'm finding he's got a whole lot of life right in the middle of your chronic illness. Mm-hmm. He has a whole lot of life for you when you're waiting to be healed. He has a whole lot of life for you when the things that you're dreaming of just aren't happening. But we as you know, Western Christians— live for when it finally comes together. And it's like the Lord going, no, there's actually life to be had right here, right now. I think of how so often we just live in the future and we miss so much of today. I think of our little David who his trajectory is so different than a typical three-year-old's trajectory and how it's so easy for us to just be like, well, when is he going to do this? And when is he going to do this? Mm-hmm. And when is he going to do this? Is he ever going to talk? Is he ever going to get potty trained? And kind of looking to that instead of right here today, like just a few days ago, he came and he brought me a book and he threw it down at my feet and he indicated, I could tell with his body language that he wanted me to read the book. And so I sat down to read the book with him and he sat there and just looked at the book. And just the fact of him walking and carrying oh. a book and having the thought of, I want to read this book, so I'm going to go throw it at mom's feet so that I can ha- you know, indicate to her that I want to have the book read to me. And then for him to have the focus to look at that book, so many different things there that I was able to stop and celebrate. But it's so beautiful when we are just focusing on the next thing, like the next milestone, when are we going to get there and worrying about that and fearing mm-hmm. the what ifs and the unknowns, we miss those beautiful moments of the right here. Absolutely. And, now. and I think we, as moms, like we value being present. It's a huge value for us, but yet there is so much inertia working against us. Mm-hmm. And I think sometimes we call we would think that's our phones or technology. And I think it is. But then there is also the inertia of our dreams Mm -hmm. for the future. Could it be, I mean, this is a crazy thought because we want to instill in our children to be dreamers. We ourselves want to be people who foster dreaming and hope. But could it be that some of our dreams are actually getting in the way of our ability to live present? Mm -hmm. And and then when we really force or focus our efforts on being present, uh, it becomes almost an uphill journey because we've spent so much of our mind time daydreaming about when this moment is the next day. Like you with David, like when he hits the next mile marker, your mind might be there, 
or to any mom. You know, why do we mark when our kids walk or when they first talk? Because these mile markers feel really significant. But what about the time in between them? And there's something beautiful about embracing our limitations that the byproduct then becomes a greater ability to be present. We don't actually have to work to be present Mm -hmm. as much. It's like if we go through a process of embracing our limitations, you start to notice I'm a lot more present to my day. So that sounds so beautiful to be present (laughs) in the limitations But that also sounds really challenging. Absolutely. How did you get there? Like, how do you stay there too? I think there's a key part of embracing our limitations that is actually naming them Mm -hmm. and grieving them. Mm -hmm. I think of even, I mean, I have a whole host of limitations right now, having older children and younger children. And I'm old to have younger children. (laughs) I'm 15 years older than a lot of the moms on the sidelines of the soccer field. And I think of, so there's a very practical limitation of being old in my body, being tired. And I could go on an everyday walk with my kids and feel overwhelmed at like, at this stage of my life, how do I still have mismatched socks and shoes everywhere? And how are we still hunting for that rain boot somewhere in the woods? And in many ways, then I feel shame. Like, oh, I don't want to hate this moment. So I just need to be present. Could there actually be a process of me going, no. I am 46 and I have a three, well, four-year-old now. I'm limited and this is hard. And so I actually want to name it and grieve that with the Lord and sit in the grief of it. And there's, as I enter into that process and I experience God seeing me there, slowly that singular moment where there's a, a dozen mismatched socks and we can't find the rain boot and we can't do something simple like a walk. And I'm 46. And how am I wrestling with all this at 46 when my friends are launching their kids into college? That slowly starts to become something that I want to be present to and that I can be a little more present to because I've named my limitation and I've given it the space and time to grieve with God over it. We feel a lot of shame over grieving our limitations because we just want to slap ourselves in the face and go, girl, get on with it. You can do it. Fuck up. God invites us into grief. And grief is actually pretty powerful. It does a powerful work in us when we let ourselves grieve. Mm. So let's unpack that. What does it actually look like? Walk somebody through. What would it look like? Okay, so maybe they can name their limitations, but grieving them. What practically does that look like to someone who's like, I don't, I don't even know where do I do even that. start. Yes. Right. Well, I think first of all, just acknowledging most of us want to avoid grief. Mm. We are master pain avoiders. Mm. I mean, as Christians, we just are, we love the end of the story, but we struggle with the middle. And so maybe even mentally just kind of getting your head there that it's okay to grieve. The psalmist did it. God gave us lanes for it. It doesn't mean I'm, I'm neglecting my relationship with God. It doesn't mean that I'm not faithful to him. It doesn't mean that I don't believe him. Grief is actually part is God ordained. Mm. Jesus used the words, God, my God, why have you forsaken me from Psalm 22? So I think it's first acknowledging that. Second, it's giving yourself space and time. And I don't mean days and weeks and months, though it may take that. But for me, it's three minutes in a day when I'm really irritated because we couldn't find the boots and the sock. And now we're 20 minutes late to this thing that was supposed to be a moment, but now it's not a moment because I'm annoyed with them. A few hours later, I'm reaching in the fridge for chocolate or some kind of sweet treat, and I take a moment instead to just go sit and go, this is actually really hard. It's hard to be 46 and have little kids. It's hard to be this tired. It's hard to feel like I'm ready to have my life have some order, but because of the number of children, I just can't get there. And to sit with God in that, 
there is something powerful to actually giving yourself two, three, four minutes a day to sit with God in the pain of it. We think if we do that, we're going to open Pandora's box and never return. But in actuality, it's a little release valve that, you know what, three minutes today where I sat with God and I expressed my grief, I might receive a little bit of comfort that makes tomorrow a little bit more doable. Mm. And so then we sit in it for just a few minutes. And then how do we kind of know, okay, I'm ready to move on or go back to my life and my limitations? I think I say sit in it for three or four minutes because I recognize our human capacity for grief is so small. It may be then the next day when something hard happens, like you get a bill and you're just, you're going, where's this money going to come from? The next day you go, I did this yesterday and it actually was kind of comforting to sit with God in the pain of this. So I'm going to do it again today. I'm going to sit in this grief. I'm going to open his word maybe to a Psalm. Psalm 22 is a great one. Um, I think of Psalm 18, Psalm 16, Psalm 119, where I'm just going to sit with my pain with God. Like me and my pain and God are in the room together. And it becomes a little bit easier. And then the next day, it's a little bit easier as these things come up. And it really is like a release valve. It's like this pressure that gets built up and we get resentful of our lives. We get sarcastic. We get cynical. If I can start to release that through grief and experience God's comfort, my limitations feel a little bit more palatable. It doesn't feel like they're drowning me as much. It's a slow process over time. But grief doesn't engulf us. Grief actually gives us a way through. I was just thinking how so often throughout the day when I find myself feeling frustrated or wanting to lash out or respond in a way that with irritation or anger probably to me, that's usually a sign. There's something underneath. Absolutely, this. there's something, and and usually for me, it's something like has nothing to do with the situation on the surface, but something mm-hmm. much deeper. And so, I love this that you're saying, just stop. But you don't, you know, you can't take two days to mm-hmm. grieve this, but to stop and to name it and to grieve it and to just acknowledge that. And I think also, I feel like for me, that would give me so much more patience with my family because then I would recognize, Mm. oh, this isn't actually about them. I was thinking just the other day, we were planning this party that we were going to do just with our family and I'd been looking forward to it all week. And then one child had a really bad attitude, right? As we were getting ready to start this family party. And I just, it it just was so upsetting to Mm -hmm. me. And, and I, as we're talking and you were saying that, I was thinking, you know, I think there was the sadness of, well, one, I probably built up the expectation of like what this was going to be, but also just the sadness of it's never perfect. Like, never. you know, yeah. and I think with having multiple children, that is a thing for me, especially it never turns out at all. Like right. I envisioned there's always probably 99% of the time. It's not what you expect. <laughs> yes. Somebody always has a bad attitude. I mean, it's like you feel- add to the numbers, the ratio, the the probability is higher. <laughs> I was just telling someone the other day. I was like, they were like, "How are you doing?" And I was like, "Well, you know, there's always a child who's struggling, or two, or three. I mean, that's just how it goes. And I think sometimes that can just weigh you down because it's just mm-hmm. the sadness of like what you expected for. I don't know, as moms, it just for me sometimes you know you just envision like we're going to have this party and everybody's just going to be so happy and we're just going to get along and it's going to be a special memory. And 
Instead, someone brought their really bad attitude. Right. Absolutely. And to just to stop instead of me getting upset with them, me getting frustrated with Mm -hmm. everybody. Or wanting them to change their behavior because surely if they did, then you could have the party that you dreamed of. Right. (laughs) And so this is just so good because I think all throughout our day for us to go throughout it, paying attention to where is that, where we are feeling that frustration or that sadness. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. What's the first thing you'd do if you had an extra hour in your day? Would you maybe go for a run or take a nap or read a book or get together with a friend? Well, I know that a lot of people I talk to wish that they had time to better their spiritual, emotional, physical health. And one way that you can do that is through therapy. I am a huge fan of therapy because in our home, it has been something that has made a major, major difference in the way that we approach life and the way that we think and the way that we raise our kids in helping our kids and ourselves to have better emotional language around how we're feeling and not let our feelings just come out sideways as anger. If you're thinking of starting therapy, I would recommend giving BetterHelp a try because it's entirely online. You don't have to leave your home. And get this, you don't have to go out searching for a therapist. Not only is it convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule because it's online, but you go to BetterHelp and fill out a questionnaire and you get matched with a licensed therapist. And also, If that isn't a good fit, you can switch therapist at any time for no additional charge. It's time to make time for something that is going to feed your soul and help you to become stronger and healthier as a person, not only emotionally and spiritually and mentally, but also I think there's going to be a trickle down effect physically too. Visit betterhelp.com slash crystal pain today and you're going to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash crystal pain. Are you ready to turn your home into a sanctuary of productivity and inspiration? Look no further than Home Threads, where functionality meets stylish organization. At HomeThreads.com, you'll discover furniture designed for the ambitious go-getter. From efficient workstations to chic storage solutions, they've got everything you need to make your home a hub of success. I got to order from Home Threads, and I think of them pretty much every single day because I have this beautiful tree that I ordered from them and this stand in my office, and it just adds the perfect touch, and I love it so much. If you'd like to order from Home Threads, head over to homethreads.com forward slash crystal and get a code for 15% off your order. Because where your home supports your dreams, anything is possible. That's homethreads.com forward slash crystal to get 15% off. Homethreads, love where you live. Armoire makes getting dressed easy. With a clothing rental membership from Armoire, build the perfect wardrobe with brands that are high quality, unique, and recommended just for you. All you have to do is take a five-minute style quiz and select items from your dynamic, personalized closet. The styles show up at your door in as little as two days. Then when you're ready for new clothes, just swap them out for more new-to-you styles. I got to try out Armoire and I was so impressed. I've tried a few other clothing rental services in the past few years and this one by far 
has been my favorite. Not only did I love taking the style quiz because it was really enlightening and insightful to me to figure out what my style is and it kind of helped me to refine some things that I didn't realize before. I'm more of a classic style, by the way. But also, I was super impressed within what they curated for me to pick from for my case that they would send to me. And I have to tell you, so I got the armoire case in the mail, which is just a fancy way of saying the bag of clothes that they sent to me. And I have loved every single one. In fact, I'm wearing one pair of jeans that they sent me yesterday. I wore jeans and a sweater that they sent to me. And I have just been so surprised how they nailed my style, nailed my size, and have sent me clothes that I have loved. So they have so many different clothes to choose from, so many different styles and sizes. And I love that they're all very high quality. If you would like to try out Armoire. Right now, my listeners can give Armoire a try and get up to 50% off their first month. That's up to $125 off. Just visit Armoire Style forward slash crystal. That's Armoire Style, A R M O I R E dot style slash crystal to get up to 50% off your first month and never worry what to wear again. Try Armoire today. Tell us what are some other indications that like there might be something that we need to name and grieve. I think there is a swirliness we can often feel where we're it's we're incapable of being present. Mm-hmm. We're just reacting and responding, or we're snapping at our kids or snapping at our spouse. I think of my mom. My mom's sisters threw a seventy fifth seventieth birthday party for her. It was a surprise, and I had broken my ankle and broken my ankle, and I was pregnant. And at that point in time, I had six kids. So there was literally no way that I could get on a plane and go. And what I noticed about myself around the days of this surprise party is I was very swirly in my head. Like, you know, that fog where you're just reacting to life. You're just doing life. But like your kids having to call your name four times and it's not that you're on your phone. You're just in your own head about it. And I would have thought, well, you know, if I'm just going to say the surface of this is I have so many kids that I can't go be an adult and be present for my mom for her birthday. Like, that's kind of what I would have said. But to your point about the story underneath it, as I got quiet, I started to notice, you know what, this sows into a narrative that I've had a lot of my life, which is I'm on the outside. Mm -hmm. I don't belong. I don't fit. This gosh, I love this family and I want to connect to my family, but because of life's choices or the way life has happened for us, I just don't fit. That conversation with God, it does much deeper work in me than me just going, well, I have all these kids and I can't make the party, you know, or this to your story about your child's behavior, you know, or attitude. Well, if they could just have the right attitude, which isn't what you were saying, but I can do that as a mom. Mm -hmm. If they could just have the right attitude, then we could have had this party. Well, underneath it, there is a story that God wants to meet us in. Um, And I, I think in some ways it changes the conversation with God for us to have the pause, sit in the moment of grief and realize there's an undercurrent that he wants to access. That's so beautiful. Okay, so one of the things I really related to in the book was you just talking about the limitation of feeling like you did not have enough of you to go around. Oh, gosh. 
the story of my life. Just last night, literally just last night, I had um, my 19 year old had called me from college. She wanted to talk and it was like these theological things that she was wanting to talk. <laughs> While I was in the middle of making bread and I was helping another child wanted me to be helping them with a paper. And then it was like just multiple things at, happening. And I kind of got everything done, got the house cleaned up, got you know, what needed to be done for the, everyone was asleep and I was getting ready to go to bed. And I was like, that one child asked me to help with that thing. And I started and then I never finished. (laughs) I can so relate. And I just, you know, I all of a sudden just felt this, oh my goodness, like they probably felt like mom doesn't have time for me. And then you can spiral into this, you know, oh, they're going to need to be in therapy because (laughs) of, you know, I just, they're probably feeling, you know, just, I just went to all these places and I thought of, we're going to have this conversation today. I cannot wait to talk to her. (laughs) Tell me, how do you sit in that tension of, it feels like there's not enough of me to go around. What do you do with that? Goodness, it taps into, I think, a much deeper, larger question that I'm answering in my life, which is, who is God when I'm not enough? Mm. And that is so hard. And I can see it for, I don't think it is just for the mom of six or seven kids. I think it's the universal question all of us are wrestling through when our physical, tangible work is not enough for what we feel like God has put before us. Couldn't that be the story of all of us? Isn't that the story of our limitations? That we feel like God's actually put this work or this life before us and we cannot show up enough for it. And so in some ways, I think it's, it is a deep wrestle that needs to be had. Who is he when I'm not enough? How does he see me? What does he think about me? Because I know what I think about me and how I see me when I'm not enough. Could it be that how, what I think about me and how I see me is so different than what God sees. Mm -hmm. And could it be that actually some of the most powerful works of His, I mean, we know this from Corinthians, my power is made perfect in weakness. Could it be that our life story is His greatest power really moves when I'm not enough? I hate that until I live it and then I see it and I go, oh, wait. I think of my daughter, um, I write about this in the book, but I continue to wrestle with what you're describing, which is feeling like I am not enough for my kids. There's so many needs in this house. And four of our kids have been through significant trauma. And so there is a real reality to, they have needs that I just cannot, there's not enough of me. So my, one of my children, who's like the perpetual middle child, we have so many middle children, right? (laughs) But she lived, and I'm a middle child, so I can relate, was really going through this. Like I mom and dad aren't seeing me. And I knew it because she was screaming and crying more often, which is usually a sign she's needing mom and dad. It's not just a little kid tantrum. She'd grown out a little kid tantrum stage. And I just throughout many different social interactions, I was seeing she needs more of us. And she kept asking for a bunny. And I'm like, oh dear God, like we just, I just had surprised my husband with a dog, which felt like the biggest life act of sacrifice ever. I am not a dog person. And I'm like, oh no, now we're going to become the zoo. They all think that this is how mom loves. We just give animals. So she's wanting this bunny and I am going, we're not getting a bunny, but I'm also recognizing she feels lost in this world and I can't meet her needs. So I'm just, it's actually like this subtle shame that I'm like, I can't meet her needs. And really her need is a bunny. And I can't do that. If I do, how are we going to take care of a bunny? And around that same time, I came home one night and the kids were all 
um, up in their jammies. She had actually gone to bed, so she didn't discover this yet, in our bushes. And sure enough, there were four baby bunnies in our bushes. And for weeks, we watched those bunnies. You have to be real careful with with baby bunnies in the wild, but we watched them and treated them like they were our pets. And I was like, oh, the Lord gave her a bunny. And it was like the Lord going to me, when you don't show up, which is the narrative in my head, right? You're not showing up, which obviously I want to show up. When you don't have enough, I'm going to be more than enough for this kid. And I actually felt like that bunny story was the Lord's story for me. Like when you're not enough for your kids, watch how I come in. I want you to know, it's not that I'm I'm disposable, but I want you to know I will move in and through and around you and especially at your weakest moments. So how do we get to that place? Like how do we have that spirit of trusting him when it feels like everybody still needs me? Like they still need to be fed. They still right. have these big emotional needs. They still need to be nurtured and discipled and there's only one of me. Yes. I think we let life, let God do his work through our life. We as Christians so many times want to make it happen. And I would say, I say to myself, like, slow your roll. God's already working this in you through your life. And so practically speaking, it's like these limitations that are in front of you are not to be fought. And we just do it. We fight it. You know, even with my Lyme, I want to push through my hard days, my sick days. I want to get a cure. I want to do like the 27 things I've researched online to mitigate against this. And in actuality, sometimes just leaning in and letting myself succumb to it, Mm -hmm. which feels like weakness, but could it actually be God's way Mm -hmm. that I succumb to my life circumstances and my life limitations? And I slowly watch that he's working harder than I am to produce trust in me. Mm -hmm. God is working harder than I am to produce trust. And in some ways it's waking up to, you know, I have the, however long quiet in the morning before the kids wake up when I'm sure today is going to be glorious. And then they wake up and it starts to unravel and leaning into that and going, you have something for me in the unraveling rather than me quickly trying to ravel it back up, you know, put it back together going, Lord, you are working in this unraveling. I'm going to submit to this. Mm -hmm. I'm going to surrender to the work that's very hard work, which is the limitations you've given me, I'm going to start to see them as purposed. Are there things that have practically helped you in those moments when you just, you see your limitations, you feel overwhelmed by them and you want to surrender, you want to release, but you're still feeling like you're clinging tightly to that. It all depends upon me. I think the pause that I mentioned earlier is maybe one of the most key things. We as moms especially need to build in pauses into our day where we're taking our internal temperature and we're bringing that to God. Uh, we, I, In my mind, I'm like, well, the pause should be 45 minutes for me to actually recalibrate. But let's be honest, three minutes matters. Mm-hmm. And three minutes today could be six tomorrow, could be nine the next day. And that's cumulative. There's a work happening. So I would say, mom, if you have 10 kids— Find a three-minute pause where you can sit before God with your emotions. Name them. Give yourself a few minutes to grieve them. Open His Word and see what His His Word sometimes gives you words for grief and let the release valve happen. I think there's a lot of other practicals around, you know, sitting in His Word specifically as it relates to grief in the times when we're not grieving to give ourselves a theological grid. Jesus had this, there was a dark Saturday, you know, we're coming up upon 
there is this, the Friday of the cross, that Saturday was significant where the earth sat hopeless and dark and grieving. He, in some ways, I think that was a metaphor for us that we can actually give ourselves permission to sit in the pain and watch God work through it rather than being so afraid of the pain. Mm-hmm. So I think that on a small scale in the minutes, on a larger scale, getting ourselves in the word and kind of understanding that God has a grid for letting the pain, letting us feel the pain so that we could actually experience a resurrection, experience him gifting us dreams that maybe weren't the dreams we had, but are better. And I was just thinking how sitting in it requires so much trust. Whereas when we're trying to fix it, it's us trying to control it in our own strength. Like when we're trying to micromanage and maneuver and manipulate so that it looks better or it feels better or everyone is, everything is kind of tied up with a bow. Yes. It might feel like we're doing something that needs to be done, but maybe the greater work is for us to release and sit in it and trust. And that's Absolutely. a lot harder to do. It's way harder. And I think it's counterintuitive But could it be that we're working again? I mean, this is deep to think about. Could it be that we're working against the work of God in our life by trying to overcome our limitations? Mm -hmm. Like maybe the limits he's given you or me right now is the greatest work of his life, of of his life in our life. Mm -hmm. And when I try to push through it, could it be that I'm slowing the work of God? Mm -hmm. I, I, there was a season where I did what I called a productivity fast, where I would take like the most productive hours of my day, which were typically when kids were in rest time. And I scaled back what I allowed myself to do during that time intentionally. I just wanted to observe like what happens to my heart when I'm not cranking, when I'm not my best self, meaning highly productive. And so instead of doing 12 things in those two hours, I would minimize it to one or two and then take walks in the woods and read poetry, read, read scripture, but maybe not for a quiet time, but read scripture in a way that was just immersing myself in wonder. And what was so interesting is I started to see his delight in that time. And it surprised me because I thought he was like me. Like, doesn't he like me more when I'm more productive? Cause I like me more mm. when I'm more productive. So I think there is a, we can, we can actually work against the work of God by trying to overcome our limits. Sometimes The best thing we can do in a day is stay in our sweatpants, cry it out a little bit, and watch and see what God does with a mess of a day. Mm. So profound. Thank you for coming. Thank you for Mm -hmm. the encouragement that I needed for my heart. And I hope, I know that so many listening are going to be just really, really challenged. If you want to dive in more, and you will, (laughs) because this book is so good. I did not want it to end. I just wanted it to keep going because I need to just reread and reread this reminder of the gift of limitations. I think we live in a culture that sees limitations as something that is the opposite of a gift, but Mm -hmm. you really show us the beauty in our boundaries. And so get a copy of Sarah Hagerty's book, The Gift of Limitations, Finding Beauty in Your Boundaries, and spend time today Look for those moments, the three to four minutes to really be able to name your limitations and grieve them and let God meet you there in your limitations and then find that beauty in releasing to him that you don't have to fix, you don't have to manipulate, you don't have to micromanage your life because God is doing a much better job if we will just let go and let him 
use our limitations to do great work in our life. Thank you for joining us today. For more great resources, please visit crystalpain.com.